Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Netflix and Swill podcast, your source for Netflix news, reviews, and booze. I'm Caleb. I'm Franny Glooper. I'm Hectic's new girlfriend. Look at me. I'm a big fucking idiot. Proceeds to fan out cash and count it a hundred times to show how much money the director (laughs) has. I'm actually sitting next to a Blu-ray copy of Hectic Knife that I am mailing to Epic Film Guy Nick uh, this week. Okay, I was going to say, I'm not surprised. That you have that next to you at almost all times, considering it is your most <laughs> prized possession. Yeah, I do own a shocking number of copies of that film. I think, ooh, uh, now I'm curious. Uh, I, I think it is still on Amazon Prime uh, as a Prime eligible movie. And of course, yep, still on, uh, yep, on Prime right now. Oh, and it wants me to start watching it. I don't have time, I'm sorry. Uh, how are you doing? Good. How much is it to uh, buy it on Amazon Prime? Is it four ninety nine? <laughs> I got, I got money playing for four ninety nine. This, this movie, movie shit. Give me, me another, another one. one. <laughs> I was literally about to say the same thing. Ah <laughs> uh, shit. We 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 have a certain amount of jokes on this show, and we recycle them. Yeah. I'm fine. How are you? Um, I'm okay. I uh, made chili for the first time uh, this weekend uh, for the wintery season, and by that I mean the fall season. Uh, it was my first time making it from like a, a chili paste, or like uh, I, I steeped I steeped my own chilies, you know, uh, and then blended it up and made like a chili kind of paste thing. Uh, it turned out very smoky, and I don't like it uh, very smoky. I'd rather have a, a little bit more heat in there. So, uh, needless to say, I need to rework the chili to, uh, like, the smoky chili to the uh, heat-chili ratio that I had going on. But Ashley okay. likes it, so, I mean, it's not all okay, bad. Okay, Dan. Dan, okay. <laughs> just, I just wish I did better. That's all I wanted. We all wish that. <laughs> Gee, thanks. <laughs> I guess take that either to mean all... Towards ourselves, or uh, everybody wishes you had done better. So, uh, I'm gonna take it personally. So, oh, you think everything's about you? It's that's true. I'm very self-centered. Let's do a segment. Oh yeah, uh, it, it's called "Shout Out Everybody Who uh, Said It's Fine" uh, out loud with me uh, when I, t- I gave the count in. So uh, th- uh, shout out to Tony Dobish, Chris Yaney, Brentley, and the Bubby for saying it's fine. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I think two of them were in the car. One of them was, uh, you know, I think just outside by themselves, like at their house. And then uh, uh, another one was like working on an empty floor. So uh, unfortunately, no one got to ask about their mental condition, which is the, the true purpose behind that mm-hmm. whole thing. But I appreciate you all anyway. I wish I had that kind of influence over people. 
I mean, you you also could have a very easy to say catchphrase. Yelza, yelza, boo, belza. Crickets. That's too much, man. Hey, let's do What's Your Swill? Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans! Stay away from the cans! What are you uh, imbibing into your neck flaps? Uh, I almost fell over in my chair because I'm an idiot. Uh, trying to reach for the the beer bottle that I had. So I have beer. That's uh, the number one thing you need to know. It is uh, from the Highland Brewing Company from Asheville, North Carolina. It's a local brew to me. It is a black mocha stout. Uh, It is, quote-unquote, rich and malty. Uh, 5% alcohol by volume. Uh, Apparently it was bottled on 812, so uh, good for them. Bold coffee and dark chocolate notes command this award-winning dry stout. Allow me to taste one more time to tell you. It's fine. Describe the mouthfeel. Uh, there is, there is feel, I feel things in my mouth when I put it in my mouth. That's, that's all I got. Uh, I have land shark. I threw out my limes, so I don't have a lime with it. It makes it slightly less good. Slightly. O- only slightly? That's a market improvement over Corona, which is uh, significantly worse. Which is trash without... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't mind, I don't mind Landshark. It's not bad. Mm. Is uh, is your chocolate stout whatever as good as the chocolate stout that I made? Uh, It's possible. It's possible it's that good. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Speaking of Nick, I I think he had a fucking about shit himself when he whenever I did that. That was one of those moments that was like, wait, what's happening? I was like, oh, that's right, you did say you were going to do this at some point, and you waited for the perfect moment where no one expected it. <laughs> it's the long con. All right, so uh, with that out of the way, let's talk about uh, one piece of news. Oh, shit, it's mail time. And it's the best news. Yes, uh, Delroy Lindo, star of The Five Bloods, uh, will have Netflix campaigning him for the best actor category for the Oscars. For the Oscars. Uh, not that I've ever watched the Oscars, but, I mean, if he wins, maybe I'll start. Because I was going to say I'll never watch the Oscars again if he doesn't win, but I've never watched the Oscars. That's a promise you care. can keep. Yeah. I I watched the Oscars for the final Best Picture category. That's the last one they end up uh, end with. Uh, every year now, I watch just that category uh, because I want to see another event like uh, the La La Land Moonlight fiasco that they had several years ago. And I hope for just the worst possible situation to happen uh, every year. So <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, otherwise, I root for one thing and one thing only, uh, and then I skate to that one song and one song only uh, before or for the Oscars. And uh, this is the one thing I'm going to root for. All right. Uh, why don't we check out some trailers in Downstream? 
Baby, I can't control the internet. That's my favorite line! And our first trailer is for The Trial of the Chicago 7. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a movie. It is. Uh, the notable thing about this movie is that it actually the trailer actually premiered during Sunday Night Football last week. That's interesting. I went, oh my god, this is how you use your marketing dollars. Good job, Netflix. It was like first commercial break too, so they they got like everybody's ass on on that. So uh, will will that actually lead to? Uh, a solid number of viewers for a potential Oscar campaign uh, movie. We'll see. Uh, those tend to be the ones that are uh, less viewed than anything else on on the platform. Uh, I didn't see the premiere of the trailer because foosball is the devil. No, Mama, you're the devil. <laughs> Everything is the devil to you, Mama. Uh, the next trailer is for La Revolution, a series. Yep. Uh, this is a historical science fiction about the French Revolution, uh, where the man who would go on to invent the guillotine uh, discovers a disease that's causing the nobility to murder peasants. I love Robespierre as a historical uh, as a historical person. There is no more fascinating man than Robespierre to me because of the cruel irony of of everything that happened during the French Revolution in that uh they they have like the guillotine and he introduced the guillotine punishment uh as like a, a means of executing like French like dignitaries and such and then uh, like 2 years later he gets his head fucking chopped off by a fucking guillotine it's amazing yeah. Well, it's like, uh, I forget what it was called. It was like a giant copper bowl that they would put somebody in and, like, light a fire under it and fucking roast them mm-hmm. to torture slash execute them. And, uh, like, whatever Roman emperor this guy was all proud about presenting it to was just like, all right, cool, let's test it out, get inside. <laughs> it's like, wow, this works great. Yeah. It's like, wow, he's really screaming. Like, they had uh, pipes going up, like, to the mouth of this giant metal bowl so that, like, you could hear their screams and shit. It's fucked up. Yeah. It was really awful. Uh, As for this, I don't know. I I saw one person go, oh, man, we've had a hit from Spain, a hit from Germany, and now this is Netflix's big hit for, for France. And I'm just like... I don't know about that one. This one looks uh, too stylized uh, for its own good. Yeah, I don't know. I uh, am not interested in this. I am kind of interested in this next one. It's a documentary called Dick Johnson is Dead. Yes. Uh, So it is about uh, basically this, like the filmmaker, her dad is like uh, going through dementia. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, I guess as a way of dealing with it, slash, like, kind of taking the piss out of the Grim Reaper, like, they just make a fucking movie that's just a series of creative ways for her dad to be killed. So it's just, like, him falling down the stairs and, like, getting hit by cars and shit. 
Yeah, it's a, a a weird thing, and maybe it's like it's her way of being able to be like, all right, my dad. I've watched my dad die a hundred times on film, so I can be used to mm-hmm. him being dead in real life. Yeah, it looks good. It looks uh, like they they do like interviews with everybody, and I don't know. It looks good and heartfelt, and looks fine. Yeah, I agree. All right, I'll bring us to our next trailer. Uh, Good Morning, Veronica. Uh, no, this is not like a, a radio show host who does the early shifts, and uh, it's about her Good love life. Good Morning, Veronica. Uh, no, this is instead about a detective who in Spain who is researching a serial killer who kills women who have escaped from their abusive husband. So uh, it's... I don't know. Uh, It's tough to glean anything from this trailer because it just seems like they just went, oh, uh, what are some interesting things that we can put in this trailer? Oh, these weird things that don't make any sense. All right, let's put them in the trailer. And that's the trailer. No one knows what the show is. Yeah, I'll be honest. These these next... (laughs) This and, like, the next trailer, I had no interest in and don't really know... I don't really know what the hell's going on there. Sure. Uh, Which brings us to our next trailer... Emily in Paris. That's from uh, the creator of Sex in the City. It's about Emily in Paris. And she doesn't quite fit in with the culture, but maybe the culture will come start to fit in with her? Question mark? I don't know. Yeah, I don't get this. This doesn't look any good at all. Uh, it starts with Lily Collins, which is like the most important part about it but otherwise like it's like hyper generic i don't actually understand what the purpose of the narrative is like why is she in in paris she's like oh, there's a reason i'm in paris and it's like okay what is it is it is it a big secret or is it gonna be revealed in the first five minutes you're like why didn't you just fucking say that in the, in the trailer like what's wrong with you <sighs> okay uh <laughs> Our next trailer <laughs> is uh, American Murder, The Family Next Door. This is a docu-series about uh, a woman who disappeared, or a woman and her children, which the children are never really brought up in the trailer, uh, who disappeared, and uh, how the focus of the investigation moved around uh, her husband and how they may not have had the perfect relationship. Oh, man, uh, a whole family disappeared, but the... The the guy's just there living his life. And yeah, like he's her living car's the Vito still Loka. there and everything. And she didn't pack bags. So I wonder who the killer could be. When I first saw this title in our show notes, uh, I was glad you put in the punctuation because uh, I thought that you were trying to uh, activate like my KGB like brainwashing secret passphrase and say American murder the family next door. <laughs> Uh no, uh, but th- I think I think I think they are gonna activate one Russian sleeper agent. So uh, I-, I don't like this title. Now that you brought that up, uh, in fact, I think this is irresponsible, and I hope they remove this from their streaming service. <laughs> All right, that brings us to our final trailer for Song Exploder. This is a terrible title. Uh, based on the podcast, this opens up a new avenue of uh movies and shows based on podcasts so when is netflix going to give us our tv show where we talk about like 
I feel like there is value to having a show that reviews Netflix shows on Netflix. But it can only be done if it was uh, impartial. Like, if they just went, all right, we'll pay you. You can critique it however you want. Just just review the stuff. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. I would do that in a heartbeat. Yeah. I mean, I already do that, but I would do that for money in a heartbeat. Uh, so this is just like musicians breaking down their popular songs and like what a draw like a like beats and melodies and all that stuff means to them in terms of the song construction. Uh, it's interesting if you're a songwriter. I don't know who else would find this uh fascinating or anything. So uh, I won't be watching this. Nor will I. Uh, Coolio. Well, with that. It's time to uh, hit another segment called Quick Hits, where we talk about other things we watched this week. <laughs> and I can't wait. I need to know about Alien TV. Huh. I'm uh, I'm looking at the IMDb page for the actress who played Franny Glooper, Hectic's new girlfriend in the film Hectic Knife. Yes. And she was on an episode of Law and Order Special Victims Unit. Was she a spe- special victim? I, I think so. Yikes! Wonder if she has like a a, a reel of like all of her roles. I don't know, but her uh, right next to her picture on IMDb, there's a trailer for something of her like uh, filleting a popsicle. So that's the thing. Alien TV is, uh, every now and then I'll be th- cruising through Netflix and just see something that's so fucking weird that I just say, hey, I have to check that out. Uh, Alien TV is that show. Mm-hmm. This is ostensibly a educational children's show. Uh, it definitely is a children's show. I don't think it really teaches you anything. Uh, because it's about an alien TV crew that comes to Earth. Welcome and, to uh, Earth. Earth. Um, and then they get punched in the face. And uh, But, like... <laughs> and they get yelled at. Do you remember that, like, the little Martian things on uh, on Sesame Street? They were just, like, a towel that somebody was, like, moving a stick inside to make it look like the mouth was going and they had two eyes on top of it. No. This and they would just be like, oh this those things this, no this Am I sounds foreign as fuck. What are you talking okay, about? Okay. I'll uh I'll send you a video later. It was from Sesame Street. But it kind of reminded me of that. It's like they just babble nonsense and like look at a thing. So the first episode is about bicycles and it's like well aliens would think that like a bicycle is a very strange thing maybe if they never developed bicycle technology uh so it's these three little little teeny tiny aliens trying to uh ride a bicycle and like falling off it and then getting into a bicycle race and then they do a tv report about it and there's no english words in any of it so it's for i guess very young children that are non-verbal yet and like 
you don't want them to be exposed to language and learn language. <laughs> so okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> that very specific demographic of uh, of like babies who you just babble incoherently to uh, for them to learn about things mm-hmm. with aliens. I don't know what this is. Like, this show's fucking weird. I mean, it sounds weird. If, if like, there, like if it was, if it was in, like, a foreign language or something, understandable. Like, Dora. Like, Dora's, like, most mostly English, but, like, 90%, like, there's that 10% left over of Spanish. It's, so like, you're still sort of learning Spanish. This is, just like, wait, what? Vamanos. Come on, Vamanos. Everybody, let's go. Remember, Caleb, in the live action version, it wasn't it wasn't sexy enough. <laughs> oh, shit. I cannot believe somebody got paid to write that review. And it's pro it probably still employed. Yeah. I remember there was a uh a parody like YouTube video about that review where it was like uh I think they got some porn actress to play Dora. And they made like a super sexy version of Dora the Explorer. Yikes! We live in a hellscape. Don't let anyone tell you differently. Mm-hmm. Oh no! Oh no! I shouldn't have done this. I tried to find that video, and I ended up in a really weird part of YouTube. Nope. You you. F- now I have to delete my search history. You you, you got to delete your life. You gotta move uh, to gotta, like the other side of the I country. Delete my Google account. Uh, anything else you would like to talk about? Nope, that's really it. This is a fucking weird, weird, weird thing. True. All right. Well, uh, I watched Criminal UK season two. Uh, this actually literally came out on Wednesday, and I didn't realize it. I, I was just like, "Oh, new episodes of Criminal UK." I haven't been on Netflix in like n- nine days, so I guess I'll watch this now. So, it's another season of Criminal, meaning it's another season of uh, acting performance pieces for, you know, ma- mainly whoever the person is in the uh, opposite side of the chair from, or opposite side of the table from the detectives. Uh, notably, you have Kit Harrington in this uh, as a, a guy, who I won't, I won't talk about his story yet, I'm going to say that for last, uh, because it's very important what his story is, and... Very questionable, the content of it. Then you have uh, uh, Kunal Nayar, who uh, played Raj in uh, Bing Bong Theory. And uh, he, he, <laughs> he plays a, a murderer in this. And, and it's, you know, he, he is shown to be a murderer in, in the show. So, uh, like, right off the top. So it's not a spoiler. Uh, he's just playing very differently. I think that's what I appreciate most about this show is that you have people going out of their comfort zones. Like, you know, Kit Harrington is, uh, I guess, sort of heroic-y kind of guy, you know, based off of his Jon Snowness. And in this, he's like a a slimy uh, real estate salesman agent guy. So I-, I like that people can stretch their wings and do different things. I did not mean to rhyme there, but it happened. So, uh, if you don't want to be spoiled by uh, the Kit Harrington episode, which I think is the most important episode in terms of the conversation it entails, 
Uh, skip forward to our The Devil All the Time review, uh, and I will love you forever. So, Kit Harrington plays uh, an estate agent who uh, is uh, alleged to have raped his business colleague uh, because... Yikes. Uh, ...things. So, the episode transpires, and he seems very guilty, uh, that, or it, at the very least, it's a he-said-she-said kind of thing. And they're going to mainly lean towards her because, I mean, it, it's, that's just the way it is. Like, they're trying to get him to admit guilt, and they're just like, well, we can't get him to admit guilt. So they start doing research on uh, on this girl, and they mention this thing called, like, a bungalow reunion. So like, what the fuck is a bungalow reunion? So they do some digging into it, and it turns out that this girl's roommate, uh, was dismissed from her job after one month uh, with a nice sexual harassment settlement, uh, and they took a trip to South Africa to a bungalow. So it is implied that the girl made a false rape claim in order to, uh, because she wasn't going get to get a promotion, uh, in order to get a sweet severance package with the company. There are many problems with this, uh, mainly it being that, is that, you know, uh, women can and will do this. Now, I'm sure there are women who are monsters that will do this. Uh, I did see online that uh, f- only 4% of rape cases are uh, false allegations. Regardless, uh, this is a bold story, especially considering the fact that the creator and head writer of the show are both men. So I don't, I don't know if this is particularly the correct story. For them to tell, but they did it. I think they handled it okay. It could have been done much better. Uh, all in that, like maybe the girl. I don't know. Uh, I think the most powerful part of the story is when at the at the end when they dismiss Kit Harrington and he's just like, "Well, you arrested me in front of all my colleagues. What are you going to do to fix this?" And they're like, "Well, you were charged. Like you're, you know." It's not. It's not like you were a witness and like we had to like rummage through something and you know we fixed everything. No, no, no. You were charged. Like you, you deserve kind of the treatment. And so it's like a kind of a an interesting way of looking at like the paradigm we have of like police investigations and how they affect people. Uh, there's another episode later that's about vigilanteism, and not about like someone like Batmaning or something, but like somebody who goes on to like kitty porn forums and just like searches out uh sex uh, like child molesters and that kind of stuff like that's that's a later episode but uh it's an interesting episode it's not going to be for everybody because there are definitely some people upset by it huh okay and i can see why i'm not i'm not going to say you know they shouldn't be upset by it but it makes sense as to why they are anything else Nope, that is it. All right, well, why don't we hop into a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about our main review topic for the week, The Devil All the Time. The Netflix and Swill podcast is brought to you by our patrons, Gerald Morris, Bill Sutton, Nick Haskins, Ashley the Bubby Gorski, Ben Kiefer, Paul Prezula, Daniel Henderson, Julio Oliveira, Jimmy De La Rosa, Chris Yaney, Brianna Petty, Justin Esquivel, Nate Wade, Alan Gallarisi, Duty Dutram, and Dan's mom. If you would like to become a patron of the show, 
Find us at netflixandswill.com slash Patreon. Buy some shit. Visit netflixandswill.com slash merch. Leave a review and tell me how good I'm getting at public speaking. Visit netflixandswill.com slash Apple Podcasts. Thanks for letting us live our dreams of being professional idiots. We now return you to your regularly scheduled banter. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it is time to talk about our main review topic for the week. The Devil All the Time. Devil All the Time is a brand new crime drama thriller film. Uh, rated R, this is a 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb. Sinister characters converge around a young man devoted to protecting those he loves in a post-war backwoods town teeming with corruption and brutality. Uh, this is directed and written by Antonio Campos and stars Robert Pattinson, Tom Holland, and Bill Skarsgård. Uh, so give me your hot take. What did you think of The Devil All the Time? I like a lot of aspects about this movie. However, and those of you who have listened to me uh, on this podcast for as long as you have, know what my big problem is with this movie if you've even seen five minutes of it. There is narration in it, uh, and it's the worst. It is So, I have thoughts on that, but go ahead. Uh, just to say that, just to say everything, every time I say this about narration, uh, it stunts your actors in terms of what they can do with their facial expressions, with how, how they react to things. Uh, I don't feel like narration adds anything to the movie. I feel like it only detracts, uh, with that. Uh, I, I do like most of the performances, uh, the, Actually, I'm just going to say, I like all of the performances. Uh, although Robert Pattinson's voice is uh, hilarious. Delusions! Uh, and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. It's it's a mixed bag for sure. Uh, it, it is I feel like it's also very slow. But uh, we'll get into more of that stuff when we talk about it after you tell me your initial thoughts. Okay. Um, I actually, I like this quite a bit. Um. On the narration, the person that they had do the narration uh, was Donald Ray Pollock, who actually wrote the novel that this is based on. Mm -hmm. So from that aspect, I guess, um, it's kind of interesting. Like, it kind of creates the sense that he's reading the novel aloud to you and, like, the actors on screen are performing out the story that he's telling i guess sure like there is a level of of nuance there like uh there's a scene where a character hangs themselves and like just as the fucking bucket slips out from under them they're like the narration is like you know in that moment they realized you know they could fix everything or whatever right yeah that that was fine it adds like an extra layer of tragedy to their death, but um, yeah, I don't know. I know you just aren't down with that, which is fine. It, no, it's uh, for to speak to that specifically, and I won't say who it is. But when that happens, I'm like, oh, that's a good layer. But other times, it's like describing things we already know and why a character would do such an action, and it's like, but we know that's why they would do those actions. That's that's their whole character motivation. The other thing that kind of makes me think of this movie is like a, a novel that's being read aloud to me is just because in the like classic 
uh, dramatic novel fashion, like every named character, uh, their fates kind of weave in and out together and they all kind of collide together at some point. Sure. I did like this quite a bit, though. Um, Tom Holland's fantastic. Uh, there's there's a lot of, uh, oh, hey, it's that guy going on. Like Jason Clark's in this. He was a, a peckerhead in it. Yep. Um, Bradley Keo, Haley Bennett, Dudley Dursley, Dudley Dursley. <laughs> that guy's in fucking it. Like Netflix really likes having that guy on their uh, on their streaming service. They do. So you mentioned like all the characters intersecting and stuff. I don't know. I I felt like the story is kind of like all over the place. Like there's a lot of characters. You have to remember where they are at what point in time, and it's just kind of like a, oh hey, remember these characters? And like yeah, everything will intersect. But like when you're watching it and they haven't intersected yet, you're just like, what is the purpose of this? That's kind of my biggest complaint about the movie is that it's two hours and eighteen minutes. And so much of it is spent setting stuff up to pay off later. Which, I don't know, I mean, I could take or leave that, but... I, you know, I judge movies by uh, how many times I pause it or pick up my phone in the middle of it. Mm. And uh, once it started rolling, I put the phone down and just fucking watched it like a normal person, so... Yeah, see, there's the difference. I I, I paused it a, a few times... Uh, Around the middle, the the middle's where it started to sag. Like, uh, once Tom Holland started to become the main character of the movie, I paused it to, as like a, a test to see like how far are we in this movie. It was like fifty minutes, and like okay, so we spent fifty minutes setting up this particular character who is our main character for the story. And I guess like yes, a younger version of him is in the first fifty minutes, but you know. Uh, Tom Holland's the big guy for this movie. Like he is—he's the the, the protagonist. Uh, I don't know, man. I could fucking watch him eat fucking potato chips and be entertained. Uh, I think this was a well. I, I know the Spider-Man movies; everyone knows him for that. But like otherwise, it's refreshing to see him be good outside of those movies, because like I feel. Sometimes when you get cast in like that perfect role, everyone kind of expects you to hit that mm-hmm. level. I don't think he's hitting the Spider-Man level. I think he's very good in the role they have him in in the MCU. But he's doing something different and excelling at it, which I much appreciate. Yeah, he's actually quite a good actor. I was very happy to to see him be be good, be talented, that kind of stuff. I liked seeing him get the drop on the three high school bullies and fucking whip the shit out of them mercilessly and presumably, like, almost kill the one kid. Yeah, uh, that's at least what his uncle was saying. was like he nearly fucking killed a kid, which is uh, kind of awesome and, they, and deserved. Those guys were fucking hit him with a tire iron, so. He, he slammed the car hood on a guy twice. And I guess, like, the first 50 minutes kind of sets up why his character does that kind of thing. Like, he, he's seen his father do that kind of thing before, so he's like, well, I know exactly what I have to do in this exact scenario uh, in order to defend my family's honor. Yeah. There's a lot of no-good bastards in the world. Um, And that's what... That's why I love Tom Holland so much, because, like, his character is so rela- relatable, despite how, like... 
absolutely repulsed I am by his sense of morals. Like, he is a fucking killer. Like, Stone Cold Killer. Like, he just fucking premeditated murders a dude. Uh, But, like, in the heat of the moment in the film, it's like, well, yeah, like, of course he did. Right. Let's talk too much further into that. We'll we'll talk about spoilers here in a minute. Uh, that said, is there anything else you want to say about the movie before we do such a thing? Uh, no. I I like this quite a bit. Like I said, I uh I would give this four stars. God damn. Um, for me, there's kind of like this beautiful ugliness to it. Like I, I like literally everything about the movie except for the story pacing and the narration. Otherwise, uh, and also I guess like the story, like how how like in the way it's told, uh, I I feel like it could do with some trimming. That said, everything else I like, including uh, the way it just kind of like is beautiful ugliness. Like these are two like the it's set in two very poor towns or at least seemingly poor towns. Like everything is gray and blue and brown, but then you see how it is like it's kind of uh an oh brother where art thou aesthetic like everything's kind of sepia toned yeah which just kind of evokes like poor white trashness <laughs> exactly so like it's beautiful in the sense that like the way they've shot it is beautiful but like you're when you actually look at what's going on it's just like oh this is just very dirty and ugly and i kind of yeah. i kind of love that yeah, the photography in this is actually excellent in some parts. Uh as for me, I I, I oscillate. It's uh as of right now it sits at a two and a half. I the narration Holy and the, fuck, the, the, bud. the story are just just I don't know. I, I don't know about that one, man. It's uh it's it's a bit I think it's a bit rough. I, I think once Tom Holland does get on screen, it starts, you know, coming together but there's still that 50 minutes of intro stuff it's like all right what is this setting up get get me to tom holland huh i guess maybe if they would have excised like one or two of the little tie-in plot lines like maybe you would have been more into this see like i kind of like a slow burn and i know that you you kind of like a movie just to fucking get to the point and be done with it which i like that too but like and and certain kinds of movies like this, I I can kind of just enjoy the the trip, I guess. Like uh, a a slow burn that I like, uh, as I'll uh, again say, Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler has a very slow burn to it, but it's always doing something, and it's always keeping you interested. And for this movie, there's just characters like, why are we focusing on these characters when ultimately they do not matter. Like, it's just like, oh, all of a sudden we're going to cut to this character. Oh, and their scene's done. We're going to go back to this character. And there's another character you got to care about. They all intersect in some way, and it's a weirdness to it. It's like, okay, fine, whatever. Thank Let you. me just play the ending for you. No, no, I don't want to see how it ends. Okay, I could describe it. Um, imagine you're in a room. No, no, like... no, no, I don't want to know how it ends. I haven't seen the beginning. Uh, yeah, yet. but the ending is awesome. So if I could just play the bitch, this is what you always do. You always spoil stuff uh, for me. No, I don't. And if I could just play the ending for you real quick, then we'll discuss that. Motherfucker, you always spoil everything before I get a chance okay, to see Okay, you sound like a crazy person right now. Yeah, uh, so you mentioned how like Tom Holland is a stone cold murderer. He, he obviously kills Robert Pattinson uh, once it's found out that like 
his stepsister uh, killed herself because, like, I guess at his behest. Like he 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 said, you know, you'll you'll have to figure out how to fix this, and she figures that, I like I saw her dump out a bucket, and I saw like irons of some kind, like poking irons, and I'm like, oh no, she's gonna like shove that inside herself, and there's gonna be, there's gonna be some yeah, real problems. I was real worried about that, but yeah, it turned out she was just just hanging herself. Yeah, because uh, she got pregnant with this baby because he used her, uh religiosity to uh manipulate her into having sex with him and that's that's what he does he's a a young uh pastor who uh likes to sexually prey on very young girls yeah uh which is gross and uh i don't know this this movie reminded me of like why I was never particularly religious because uh, it's creepy and uh, people use it to justify awful things. Yeah. And I think that's the the big message of the movie is that everybody who asks, uh, like everybody who does something reprehensible is religious in some way. And, you know, I, I know Tom Holland murders people, but like when... You know the reprehensible people do their reprehensible actions. They're they're always like, the, like the narrator always talks about like how the character feels close to God during this moment, and it's just like, well, he here's here's Tom Holland against that, you know, uh, very anti-religion because y- he's seen what religion has done to him in his family, so he's just against it in, in fullness. So he's like that antithesis, and also saying that like. I guess it's fine to not be religious. Like you can be a decent person and not be religious. Yeah. Uh, Robert Pattinson is, uh, probably the worst of the two, but he's the, the second awful preacher to make an appearance in this movie. Um, cause the first one was Dudley Dursley, uh, who, was like so fucking high on his own supply that he thought that he could uh resurrect people. Mm-hmm. So he takes his wife out into like who like there's a lot of parallels between his wife and um Tom Holland's sister who Robert Pattinson knocks up later in the film but like uh his sweet innocent wife he takes her out in the woods and Stabs her in the carotid artery with a screwdriver and lets her bleed out and then tries to resurrect her. That scene is so fucking brutal. For some fucking reason, yeah. Like You're watching the blood just kind of like pour out of her neck. It's fucking horrifying. Yeah, and it, it lingers on it too. Like, it's very deliberate. And then he panics and he's like, oh fuck, I killed her. Well, shit. It's like, alright, I'll just go to the next town over and uh, disappear. That guy is uh, his brother or whatever in the wheelchair. Yeah. He's just like, well, <laughs> he's like, well, maybe I can go back to town and explain what happened and, you know, say it was a mistake. And his brother's just like, you fucking stabbed your wife in the neck. Like, you're a killer. Right. <laughs> he gets, for some reason, he gets picked up by Jason Clark and uh, Riley Keough. 
Uh, I don't know why he leaves the car. It looks like it was just pulled off to the side of the road, so I don't know if like he ran out of gas or something. Uh, I feel like he was just ditching his brother there and just trying to disappear at that point. I guess um, that makes sense. But he becomes, I guess, the very first victim of uh, this serial killer couple. Like, he, he likes to take pictures of dudes uh fucking his wife because mm. he's a cuck yep and then uh then he uh shoots him kills him did that's how they do things guy pimps out his wife and then they uh kill and rob people having their inclusion at that point is just like i don't understand what their purpose is to this story it's just like they kind of exist to get rid of this pastor and then we move on from them well, that girl who is one of the serial killers, her brother is a local sheriff, and like, I guess they're in the movie to run into Tom Holland so he can kill them, right? So that he has the showdown with the sheriff at the end because he's trying to kill Tom Holland because he shot his sister. Yeah, and we're we're in fucking deep spoilers now, so I hope that you've watched this movie. Yes, and and it's also poetic because that's where Tom Holland took him because uh, Tom Holland's father, played by Bill Skarsgård, uh, killed himself in that area. So it's it's kind of like their first encounter and their last encounter in the same area. I don't know. That's like the movie's just basically uh, uh, a slew of deaths that all like center around Tom Holland's character's life. And uh, I thought the end of the movie was very fitting because it's just him like, uh, like finally resting right. after all this like horrible shit happens to him. And he's like, well, you know, like he doesn't have any, anything to do in his life. And he's basically a fugitive and he's, you know, saying, you know, maybe I'll enlist and go to Vietnam. Like I'm pretty good at fighting. Right. And, you know, maybe I'll just disappear into the wind or whatever. So, uh, and I kind and I kind of like that because he kind of has that same that same th- feeling. It's like the pastor. Like maybe if he goes back and explains, like, "Hey, this guy, you know, statutory raped my my stepsister, got her pregnant, and coerced yeah. her into killing herself." And they even say that, like, whenever they tell the sheriff that, like, you know, this kid's on the loose and was seen heading that way, and you know, killed somebody. He's like, well, I'll, I'll hunt him down. And the other, like the cop from the town that he was living in is like, well, you know, don't bother. You know, a lot of folks around here are saying maybe that pastor needed killing. So yeah, maybe it's fine. Yeah. But Tom Holland never knows that. Like maybe one day he can go back, but uh, it's, it's doubtful. And and who knows, who knows what he's going to do. Maybe the cycle will start all over again with him, you know, we like we see a uh, uh, an image or like a, a quick little clip of like a boy running around that kind of looks like him at a younger age and a guy who kind of looks like his dad working on a truck at a house. But for all we know, it could be him working on the truck and that's his kid and the cycle could just start all over again. Where you know uh, he 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 teaches his son to uh, drive out to somebody's house and beat the shit out of them in in front of all of their <laughs> friends who do nothing to help. And then, uh, you know, you get in your truck and you drive away. There's a lot of scenes of Tom Holland or Bill Skarsgård holding uh, rags to their bloody hands in this movie. Oh, yeah. 
You know, I like uh, I like Tom Holland as like uh, a tough action guy, kind of like he's not a, a huge guy, but I can see him becoming something of a Tom Cruise where he's just like badass through like sheer force of will. Yeah. And not because he's like jacked and huge. Yeah, no, I can I can see that because like he's going to be, you know, Nathan Drake in the Uncharted movie because they're insistent upon making that movie. So like, yeah. I I hope he keeps getting roles like this that have like some depth to them. Like you can you can definitely tell all the pain he's gone through in his life and how that informs like all the decisions he makes. Like you you see with his father, like him going out after those guys after they were talking about uh the his mom and he goes to beat the shit out of them, and uh it's 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 kind of mirrored with uh Robert Pattinson. And like how how he obsessively stalked him for fucking two weeks to learn every move he was making, oh, yeah. which was kind of insane, but like beautifully poetic. And I'm like, wait, how does he know all this information? It's like, oh, because he was following him. That, that that was one thing. So I was like, so how long has he been gone? And it's like, oh, well, he's been following for two weeks. Like, I guess that's fine. But like, it really didn't show like a real passage of time with that. And I guess that's fine. I mean, like if that's all his routine is, is uh fucking a 14 year old girl and then going home to uh, getting his dick sucked by his wife. I guess that's just a-, a routine that you can live by. Sure. If you're a pedophile. <laughs> I recommend this movie. Dan kinda says it's fine kinda uh, like i said i really like the performances uh, i i think the story structure is weird and uh, the narration is at times extremely unnecessary other times i think it is like like you brought up when um lenora hangs herself like that was super necessary yeah there also after jason clark is like like right before jason clark gets shot uh, you know, it's it's explaining like how he never feels closer to God than when you know he's about to do the deed. And I thought it was very interesting because like any time we talk about godliness, it's always shown as this person being wicked. So it it kind of ties that all back in together. Well, that's that's basically the theme of the movie yes. is that like religion is used as a a replacement for like your own moral development so like it inherently like causes you to it like it creates moral decay mm-hmm. but then there are those characters in the movie like lenora that like they're hyper religious but like they're also like innocent and actually you know are trying to do the right thing so right it's it can it's it's like a double-edged sword i don't know yeah, it's two sides of the same coin, uh, except like those who are high, like super innocent also can be taken advantage of by those who are uh, the devil. Right, because the the girl did fuck Robert Pattinson, like yeah, like her god. It's like a temptation of the devil. Like the devil will come and say these things that make sense, but in, in, and also seem like teachings of God, but ultimately are not. At least that's like yeah. some the way the Bible will uh, portray the devil sometimes. Like especially when uh, Jesus spent forty days in the desert, the devil came to tempt him many, many times, yeah. being like, "Yo, these are all fine. Like God would be fine with this." And Jesus is like, yeah. "No, no, Lucifer no." Lucifer was the most beautiful of the angels, and 
you know, whenever, you know, if you believe in like the Antichrist or whatever, like that's supposed to be the thing is that like most people will think that he's the second coming of Jesus. So, yeah. All right. Uh, that's the devil all the time. So, uh, if you've watched it, let us know what you think. And, uh, if you haven't watched it, why are you still listening to this part of the episode? Shame on you. Uh, with that, it's time to cut into a quick break. And when we come back from that, we're going to do a patron requested review for me and Earl and the dying girl, uh, from Paul from the countdown. If those clips made you wish for the good old days of TV, I've got great news. Rabbit Ears TV Podcast is back. Each episode, we look back on a beloved series, ranging from the good old days of television to more modern classics. With the help of a superfan guest host, we will review, discuss, and reminisce about some of the most culturally impactful shows ever to air on TV. You can follow the show on Twitter at Rabbit Ears TV Pod. Join the Couch Potato Group on Facebook and check out our episode archives at netflixinswill.com slash rabbit ears. Look for new episodes the third Friday of each month. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming already in progress. We hold you in our hearts. And when we think about you, it makes me want to fart. <laughs> it's I hope we never part. Now get it right or pay the price. Welcome back, Dan. It's time to get into a patron review. Well, fine, if you don't want my money. You mean, if we watch terrible movies, you'd give us money? Well, sure. Mr. Caleb, welcome to the patron review segment. This comes courtesy of Paul from The Countdown. He has... And he has review Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Me and Earl and the Dying Girl is a 2015 comedy drama film rated PG-13, a 7.7 out of 10 on IMDb. High schooler Greg, who spends most of his time making parodies of classic movies with his co-worker Earl, finds his outlook forever altered after befriending a classmate who has just been diagnosed with cancer. Fucking Paul talks about this, like, every other episode at least so i finally know what he's talking about it's true uh I, I know nick loves this movie i think this is his uh favorite of 2015 so there is that and i think that's how paul knows about it too is that nick made him watch it at some point uh so give me a hot take what did you think about this well caleb as you know since you've watched this and uh i don't know who else knows this because i don't know who else has watched this this movie takes place in the most magical city on Earth, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So, of course, it's automatically got a five-star for me. Yeah. Uh, there's a kid, like, they go to a uh, Jewish uh, religious service, and there's a kid wearing a Pittsburgh Pirates yarmulke. But they uh they they bring up Shenley and I know where Shenley is. Uh, they they yep. There's many shots where I'm like, oh, I know exactly where this is in Pittsburgh. So like, uh, Ashley's just sitting next to me watching this, and I'm just like, oh, I know where that is. I know where that is, and that's exactly how she felt during uh, me watching Avatar: Last Airbender, which was me saying, I know who vo- whose voice that is. I know whose voice that is. Uh, I'm sure it was very annoying for her. 
I thought it was kind of weird that they called it Pittsburgh State University. Like, just call it Pitt. That is technically what it's called, but nobody from Pittsburgh calls it that. No one calls it that. It's Pitt. It's just Pitt. This is my, this is my big complaint about the movie is actually that. Otherwise, uh, it's a pretty great movie. What did you think? Uh, I liked it a lot. Uh, I I laughed, I cried, I learned something about myself. That sounds disingenuous. I, I actually like this a lot. Yeah. Uh, Ashley cried quite a bit, because she's a big baby. Uh, I didn't cry at all, because I have no feelings. But, uh, it is a very interesting movie, in terms of, like, introspectiveness, and, like, coming out of your own shell, like, it's portrayed as like he's doing her a favor by being her friend during like this very difficult point in her life. And in reality, it's her doing him the favor of, you know, having an actual friendship and showing him that friendship is okay. And he doesn't have to be scared of people, you know, uh, saying fuck off and that kind of stuff to friendship. So this girl, uh, gets leukemia. Her mom tells, uh, Greg's mom and Greg's mom makes him go and hang out with her. Uh and they both hate it. Well well first he calls her and it's like a super awkward phone conversation. Yeah. He's just like, "Hey, sup? The doctor said you need Gregatol." Greg and she's like, "What's yeah. that?" Yeah. He's like, "Oh, I'm I'm making my name into a pharmaceutical." Because uh, that's an American joke, because we're constantly advertised th- drugs, which is a really weird thing. So yeah, they they start hanging out, and it's hor- horribly awkward, uh, but then they start actually becoming friends. So. Yeah. Like, he even references it, like, if this was a, like a, ro- a romance story, or like a happy story, or whatever, this <laughs> would happen, but that's not what happens. And I kind of like that. It's pretty refreshing to see like it not go in that super obvious way it could go. Like if this was a '90s movie, it would absolutely go into a relationship kind of aspect. Yeah, and it's uh like it's all the warts and complications of like real, genuine human interactions. Um, it's it's messy and no one's perfect, and uh, they all fuck up. Yeah, and do dumb shit. So. Except for Earl. Earl is a pretty solid dude. Earl is the, the Jesus of this movie. He he does nothing wrong. Everything Earl does is correct uh, all the time. We must protect Earl forever. Uh, I want to bring up one specific line uh, from this movie uh, where uh, Greg compares his mom to being the LeBron James of nagging. Uh, to which I almost immediately said, well, if uh, his mom is the LeBron James of nagging, uh, Linda is the Michael Jordan of nagging. In that she was the best of all time and was doing it first? Yes. <laughs> Nick Offerman's in this as Greg's weird-ass dad. Yeah! I I like when he does this kind of role, because it's just like a little weird fucking thing and he's just he's not just ron swanson like he's he's this too like he's fucking 
awkward and eccentric. Yeah, he, I was gonna say eccentric. He he can be it's eccentric. Uh, like he feeds them weird cuisines from like foreign countries, and they're yeah, you know, Earl just comes over to eat, like and they hang out, and just the the cuttlefish and asparagus. Yes, they actually do eat cuttlefish. They do, uh, which reminded me of that episode of the Venture Brothers when the the monarch wants the the cuttlefish. It's, uh, oh, yeah. it's a great episode. Uh, it's right after he gets reassigned as uh, the arch nemesis of, I can't remember what the fucking doctor's name is, but it's some doctor who uh, has control over sea creatures or something like that. And Dr. Venture's uh, arch nemesis is Underbite? I can't remember who it is. I have to, I'd have to rewatch that. Yeah, Dr. Thing. Underbite. So, uh, regardless, it's uh, very funny. Uh, Nick got that got that reference, and uh, nobody else, and I guess Caleb too. Uh, I don't want to give away too much to the end of the movie, uh, being that you know, it's a relatively recent movie, and I don't feel like many people have seen it. But I really like their friendship. I really like the sincerity of all the characters, and there's like this image, like this like a little stop motion image of like this moose uh, st- stomping on like a, a squirrel or a chipmunk and uh that motif is really nice and i like how that eventually comes to a head where you know it's like well fuck that i don't need this shit i thought that uh molly shannon was gonna try to fuck the kid i did too <laughs> i was like this is so problematic i mean she was feeding them alcohol so that's even worse but yeah well she uh Like, when he first came over, he was like, oh, you're such a sweet boy and so handsome, and it's just, like, hugging him for an uncomfortably long time. Yeah, just kissing him on the cheek and just, for, like, like, hours. kisses him on the cheek seven times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. It's pretty great. Molly Shannon is very great. Uh, I'm liking her turn into uh, mother of teens. Uh, that's basically all she does now is just be the mother for teens and is uh, comedic in those kind of roles. Although in private life, she when she had a very similar role, she uh, was not as comedic and m- a much more tragic character, being that you know she was hitting menopause and going through the struggles of that while uh, her younger sister was trying to have children. The other really great uh, part in this is uh, John Bernthal as his teacher. Oh my God. Which is very good. I... Assumed when I saw John Bernthal in a movie, I was like, oh, good, we're only going to get like five minutes of him. It's going to be the best part of the movie, and I'm going to be sad when he leaves. But no, he stuck around for quite a long time. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really necessarily want to give too much away about this. I think uh, you should all go watch it. Uh, So what would you rate it? I think four. I I looked this up. The only place that I could find it was on Voodoo, but I Mm. actually... uh, I I took a shot and uh, actually bought it on Vudu for ten dollars instead oh, of renting it. So, and uh, I'm glad I did. I'll I'll revisit this at some point. Yeah, uh, I I found it on uh, Prime for uh, three ninety nine. Wasn't four ninety nine. Everywhere else was four ninety nine, uh, but Prime had it for three ninety nine. Probably because they didn't talk about wanting to watch it on Prime, so they didn't lower. They didn't raise the price on me. So, uh, small miracles. Uh, I would also give this a four. This is a pretty great movie. Thank you, Paul, for being a nice man. Yeah, thanks. I won't make you watch uh, Super Mario Brothers again. 
<laughs> and I won't make you watch Money Plane. <laughs> I still want him to watch Hectic Knife. Well, I mean, that's just obvious. Why wouldn't you watch Hectic Knife? All right. Well, uh, what are we doing on the next uh, exciting episode of Dragon Ball Z? Uh, next week, we are uh, reviewing the Netflix movie that we pro- were promised a screener to and then never received one, uh, Enola Holmes. Oh, cool. So get ready for those one-star reviews to come in because fuck Netflix. Uh, but in, in reality, uh, it is very shitty that they accepted us for screeners. I said, hey, it's been uh, you know several days uh, and we haven't received a screener. Can you let me know what's up? And they never responded to me. So that was awesome. I'm very happy about that. <laughs> now they're just fucking with you. It's true. I was very excited about getting Enola Holmes screeners and it never happened. But uh, that's our main review topic for next week. And I don't have a third segment because uh, we're out of patron requested reviews because Bill never gave us his. So fuck you, Bill. You're out of time. Uh, do you have anything you want to do for the third segment next week? Uh, I don't. I think we should do a short show. Short show it is. to ourselves. That way we can just rail on Netflix for 20 minutes at the end where we just go, fuck you for not giving us that screener you promised us. Yeah. After this episode comes out, Bill's going to try to send you something and we're going to tell him no. I'll watch it and then uh, I won't talk about it. I'll just be like, hey, I watched this thing. Moving on. Thank you to Space Weather for the use of our theme song, which is called We Didn't Get the Screeners and We're Bitter. Hey, I like it. There we go. Tell them stuff, Dan. Uh, you can find us anywhere on social media at Netflix and Swill. You can visit our website, netflixandswill.com, for relevant links to everything Netflix and Swill, including netflixandswill.com slash Patreon. That takes you to our Patreon page. Netflixandswill.com slash merch, which will take you to our merch page where you can buy some merch. Uh, oh, I forgot to mention with our Patreon page, currently ongoing, we have a, a Gerald Makes Dan Watch series where I watch the Halloween franchise for the first time. Uh, so far, it is going poorly. And yes. Because Gerald's a fucking... Gerald is bastard, man. Why'd Dan hate? <laughs> because Gerald is asshole. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, like I said, netflixandswill.com slash merch takes you to our merch. Uh, netflixandswill.com slash Apple Podcast takes you to our Apple Podcast page where you can review our podcast. That way you don't have to go into the show notes and try to type in something. I did a lot of uh, 301 redirects the other day because Caleb was like, I need links. So I'm like, oh, well, let me just rejigger some links so we can just have uh, easy links that go through our website. So yes, netflixandswill.com. It's your one-stop shop for all things Netflix and Swill. Uh, It's true. I love you. Um, Until next week, this is Caleb saying that uh, we will see you next Tuesday.
Netflix and Swill is an independent podcast. As such, we believe in the scrappy underdogs of the podcast world. If you're an indie podcast and would like us to run your promo on our show, please contact us. The little guys need to stick together. If you enjoy what we're doing, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and telling a friend. The more we grow, the better the show will be. Thank you for being part of the Netflix and Swill family.